to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. Thank you guys Andrew. for waving. I was waiting for the, the Bob Bob Dobbs reference right Leave out of the in. gate. I, I, had to, in. I had to bring that in right away. We're going to talk to you guys about Monday night's matchup against the Chicago Bears, um, Justin Jefferson's outlook for this game, and a lot more uh, going around the Six and five, Minnesota Vikings, Six correct? and five. Still in the driver's seat for a wild card berth. Yeah, still in the driver's seat, as you said, and the Vikings have to get back on the winning track after losing in Denver on Sunday night. Well, they don't have to. They're like a game and a half up. I guess you're right. It's you an know. NFC game, though. It's a <laughs> it's a wild card. It's an NFC game. It's a yep. division game. Like That's fine. Any chance of being you got to win this game. Yeah, did we already eat turkey? It feels like we're already headed. Got to win this game. Um, yeah, they must win game. No, but Justin Jefferson is practicing for a third straight week. Seems like he's probably not going to play. At least that's the rhetoric, but Ben, they're keeping the door open. They are keeping the door open, yes. I would be a little surprised if he played based on the way he has talked, the way that they have gone about this, and the fact that if they keep him out, they – effectively get a free week where you wouldn't have to play them against the Bears and obviously the bye week comes next week. So what they would do in that case is wait until I think Wednesday next week to activate him and then you've got him on the active roster but you don't obviously have to play a game again until December 10th. So if I were to bet right now, my guess would be he is back against the Raiders on a grass field on December 10th. That kind of seems like what they've been pointing towards all along, too. They've been giving, giving themselves this kind of space to kind of, like, make teams think about it a little bit. Yeah. But this is what's this is what's made sense all along, and I don't think there's ever, like, too much of, like, a sliding scale of, well, we're winning without him, let's not rush him back. Like, they'll, they'll play him when he's ready. But you also, with a hamstring, you don't want to come back early and then, uh, that was too soon, then he's out for another four to six weeks, then the season's over. Yeah, and O'Connell said something, I think, a week or so ago about a there was a, a timetable that had been set or you know made it sound like there's a date that has been kind of agreed upon and it would make a lot of intuitive sense that that date is after the bye week yeah um because why risk it right and this these are the kind of injuries that can pop back up and get re-aggravated pretty easily and have before with Vikings wide receivers even. Is this all coming from the Vikings? I, 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 you, he, you know, when he doesn't come back for seven weeks, people start to say like, oh, it's the fact that he doesn't have a new contract play into this at all. Is he not rushing back? I don't get that sense, but I'm, I'm curious. I don't think it's that. I, I, I don't think the reason he's not rushing back has anything to do with the contract. I think it's he doesn't want this to come back and be an issue down the stretch. And he may have people in his corner saying, let's not go out and risk future earnings for a team that has not yet committed to the seasons beyond 2024. But I think it has a lot more to do with just wanting to be fully healthy, not have this be something that risk of a setback. Because we have seen it before. I mean, we saw... Adam Thielen, 2019, they bring him back. The first time he goes out for practice before they play in Seattle, they go outside. I think the one day that week on a Tuesday, he aggravates it, misses more time. Uh, Dalvin Cook had the same thing happen that year, I think in 2018, where they kind of kept trying to do it, kept trying to say, well, we're going to have him in a limited capacity. But Cook basically told Thielen after that year, don't do that. Don't 
try to force it back. This obviously is a very different athletic training staff than that one was. So that's, I think, you're not going to have that same push from the Vikings probably in the same way. But I also think that creates more space for the player to say, let's not push this to the point where there's going to be any kind of a setback with it. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Uh, the Vikings top trainer, Tyler Williams, talked to our Mark Craig for a story about TJ Hawkinson and something along those lines made me think of that conversation Mark had because you relayed something Williams said, which was like, uh, I'm really thankful to work for an organization that puts player health you know, at the forefront. Not all teams are like that. Um, this team was not like that. Yeah. Yeah. Before Can I say that out loud. Uh, yeah. Well, when it's a new coaching staff, yeah. new front, well, kind of new front. Previously, office. this team was not like that. Yeah. So they've. Um, they have definitely turned around that way, but they're still finding ways for guys like TJ to gut through his injuries. Justin's injury is very different, though, and one that could get worse with a soft tissue injury like that. So, uh, yeah, it would make sense to give that that extra week um, with the bye week and in an NFC wild card race that isn't really contested. I mean, right it, it is. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are in the in, in the hunt graphic that they Watch showed out on, for those on Sunday night. Green Bay Packers, yeah, four and six. Packers, you know, they're still they're still there. They play the Lions tomorrow, right? They play the Lions tomorrow on Thanksgiving. So four and seven, four and yeah, probably four and seven. Lions are pretty good. I mean, we, you know, the Vikings still play the Lions twice. You still think about is the division in reach, but you, you wouldn't think so. The Lions are probably the Lions are probably one of the five best teams right now. Five or six best teams. They, yeah. They're playing that way. I think that's probably right. And you, especially if you extend back to like the midpoint of last year. But yeah, it feels like it's important to win this game. You can't just keep saying, well, because they've won without Jefferson, they'll keep doing that. Like I think the Denver game specifically was a game where you're like, man, they're starting to, you can see where they're starting to miss his impact. They just don't have the same caliber of playmakers when he's not out there. They've gotten away with it to a certain degree because they've, you know, won some games with defense, won some games when Dobbs was improvising, but they need Justin Jefferson back soon. The argument for resting him Monday is that you literally beat the Bears without him to start the winning streak. Um, that was the first game without Justin following that injury against the Chiefs. So they've done it, but they had to knock Justin, or had to, did knock Justin Fields out of that game and beat Tyson Bagent, barely, uh, in that game. But Justin Fields is back. They almost beat the Lions. Chicago looked pretty good, I think, in that game. Uh, until they didn't at the end. So, Ben, what do you think of this matchup and, and kind of where these two teams are headed into Monday night? I mean, I think it's one the Vikings should win. I think even with Justin Fields back, they should be able to do what they want on defense. They were doing that early in that game in Chicago you know, five, six weeks ago, mid-October, wherever it was. Um, the offense is somewhat worrisome, I think. They, their offense did not look good in Chicago the first time either because that was the first game without Jefferson and they just looked really conservative kind of out of sorts in that game but their defense had a great day against uh, Justin Fields that was the the Jordan Hicks kind of game of the year type thing for him so I I think they should win it the fact that the Bears seem to be finding a little bit of a groove on offense though is worth keeping in mind because they I mean we were out to lunch a few of us were out to lunch in Denver on Sunday with with uh, former 
Pioneer Press beat writer Chris Thomason, and we left the restaurant. The Bears were up nine points with like five minutes left. Like They're going to beat the Lions, and the Vikings could be within a half game of the division lead by the end of the night, and then the Lions come back and win, and then, of course, the Vikings lose. But for the better part of that game, the Bears were right with the Lions and, and probably should have been in position to win it. So they're not rolling over. They're not hopeless. No, I don't think they are, and it's worth keeping that in mind, especially with – you know, the guy that had the great day against Justin Fields won't play on Monday night. So there are a few changes that make you think this isn't one where they just roll the footballs out there and they win. I, I think it's when they should. But, you know, there's some things that kind of stick in the back of your mind. Yeah, Jordan Hicks will still be out. We'll have to see about a Caleb Evans. Um, he had said last week that he expected to play, but we'll have to see with a, a strained calf muscle how he practices and whether or not he can be ready. They certainly missed him on Sunday night in Denver when Makai Blackman was targeted as much as, as he was. We should mention, too, with Chicago, um, Khalil Herbert is back for their running game. He did not play in that first game against the Vikings. That is a big piece for them uh, for how they like to play. They are not a downfield passing team with fields, and Herbert's one of those guys that he can take a screen 70 yards and house it so the Vikings do have to you know continue playing the way they've been playing on defense regardless of who's there and then try to find some solutions on offense where uh, I think Wes Phillips uh, yesterday called Dobbs a magician uh, they might need some more of that magic from him because um, he's just not the kind of guy that's going to be super accurate super in rhythm with a, a team he just joined and I think you're seeing with Addison's production KJ's lack of production in that game um, this is not going to be a obviously an on-time offense the way that they're used to. When you say Josh Dobbs, do you mean Robert Joshua Dobbs? Bob Dobbs? Bob Dobbs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, okay. Bob, Bob Dobbs. And the thing about the Bears, too, is they don't have to tank because they've got Carolina's first round, first, first pick. So they That's can just true. sit there and wait for those sweet top ten picks to roll right in. Yeah, what a trade for Carolina. Um, yeah, that wasn't great. They gave up DJ Moore and yeah. Future first, and that was not great. No, and they took the at least the way it's looked this year, the second best of the three, maybe the third best, depending on what you think of Anthony Richardson's abbreviated season, I guess, but certainly not the guy that's at the top of that list right now. No, it's been a rough go for for Bryce Young. Um, it's been an interesting year for for Justin Fields too, and that Chicago team. Um, so moving forward from here for this this matchup. Um, I guess we should talk about this this Vikings defense, and we talked a little bit about it in terms of the matchup, but where they're headed, they, I thought they played well Sunday night. I thought they played really well against the Broncos. There was a ton of three and outs, obviously, it felt like to start that game. Um, ben, from your seat in the press box, what, what did you see from the way that they were defending Russell and, and what went wrong at the end? Well, I mean, they, they sort of I, – I mean, they did a good job against that running game, which has been – one of the strengths for the Broncos the last few weeks, kind of when they get on this run, it's they they like to lean on you and run the ball. The Vikings did a good job, as they really have done for the better part of the season, not letting that become a huge factor in the game. I mean, really, I mean, that game was one where they're driving, they're up 17-9, and you're thinking, they're going to put this away here if they score. I mean, the, the Broncos are not coming back to score enough points to make this a game if the Vikings get up two touchdowns fumble happens Broncos turn into a field goal and all of a sudden they're right back I mean it was the classic if you're playing Russell Wilson make sure that you have uh, put that game away before he gets the ball one more time I mean the Vikings know that as well as anybody that a Russell Wilson with any sense of a chance is 
something you have to worry about. And really, it was just because of Cortland Sutton boxing out Makai Blackman. I, I didn't think Blackman was in great position on that play. But overall, before that, they, I thought, played really well. And, you know, you saw probably not their best night in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback, but there were not the coverage busts that you thought, well, okay, if they're in a different set of communication principles on defense with Ivan Pace now running things, is that is there going to be a mix-up somewhere that leads to a busted coverage? There, there really weren't any of those. So um, I, this defense continues to play in such a way that makes you think they can keep it up, even if the the pieces they have aren't the most impressive. I, you know, they did pick on Makai Blackman. I mean, there were a few of those, and I, I think that's worth watching this week if a Caleb Evans is not back. But yeah, overall, I, I thought they did a lot of the things they needed to do. It's just they didn't finish drives, and the turnovers once again gave the Broncos too many chances to come back, which Russell Wilson ultimately did in the end, as he's done many, many times. Yeah, the Vikings uh, had a couple chances at some key takeaways that would have changed that game. Yeah, Josh Metellus drops the pick there at the end that would have taken three points off the Borks that kick a 50-yard field goal, and then uh, Ivan Pace recovers, Close. seemed to have caused yeah. a fumble and recovered it just out of bounds uh, there at the very end. Um, so those plays would have certainly changed it for them because the offense was coughing it up the way that they were. But defensively, there were some hiccups without Hicks. I mean, Ivan Pace talked about um, just guys not even getting the play call from him, and which is impressive that they couldn't, from our perspective, we couldn't really tell. It's yeah. not like there was some yeah. massive, as you as you said, not some massive coverage busts that were like, oh, clearly something screwed up. But I guess behind the scenes, there were some hiccups that they were able to overcome, which is pretty impressive. Yeah on the road in a primetime game without one of their team captains. Um, I thought it was interesting Anthony Barr played right away. And not only played right away, Brian Flores said this week his role is going to keep growing. Yeah, I mean, I we talked about it a little bit last week too. I don't think you bring a guy like that in here. I mean, there are enough people you could add to your practice squad if you just need a another body that's going to play special teams or something like that. But I don't think you bring somebody of that level of experience in here unless you see a role see a need yeah I mean I, I could I think especially given the fact that Jordan Hicks is going to be out for at least another couple of weeks and I would not be surprised if it's more than that yeah I think Barr is going to continue to get more opportunities to at least have something of a role yeah and, and they have wanted to play um pace as much as they have but now he's playing 100 percent of the snaps that he played on sunday night so we got a lot of questions that we'll get to later in the mailbag about depth and stuff but they're really having to test it um in in some of these games and without a caleb you saw the size and kevin o'connell mentioned i think when he was asked about the blackman sutton catch at the very end um he said like sometimes it's just a size deal and yeah. it was literally well, it was there a five inch difference yep. i think between the two guys uh, if, if Caleb Evans, who's 6'2", is playing that spot, maybe it's a different outcome. Sutton is uh, – I mean, he's played really well the last few weeks, but he's an impressive receiver. I mean, they, they've they got – I mean, Jerry Judy hasn't worked out quite to the degree that they would have hoped, but if they get him rolling, I mean, with him and Sutton, not that we're going to see the Broncos again anytime soon. We don't need to make this a, a long discussion on the Broncos offense, but he had an impressive night, and that play at the end, it's – I mean, yeah, it came down to a size thing. It looked like a I thought box Wilson out was, for a rebound. I basically. thought Wilson was throwing that ball away. Like on, on TV, it looked like he was just throwing that ball into the stands. Yeah, he got hit as he threw it. He was kind of doing one of those you know, lunging forward, just throw it up kind of things. And Yeah, he just got it. yeah I mean, it just, yeah, it boxed him out, and that's that. 
Reminded me of the 2021 Vikings or the 2020 Vikings. Yeah. We hadn't seen a late or the, touchdown pass to lose a game. Or in, the uh, 2011 in. Vikings or the 2013 <laughs> Vikings. Yeah. You keep going. Well, the, the 2021 <laughs> came to mind, and I think I mentioned this in my story, but yeah, I mean, that was DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson to a receiver wearing number 13 against a young corner, or number 14, I should say, against a young corner. That was the um, Cam cover your guy, mm. Harrison Smith lip reading with a. Mm. a adjective thrown in there that we won't say but uh, yeah that was on that I think it was on a, a man beater crossing around in that game but yeah it was let's go after the young corner and see if we can win a, a matchup in a gotta have a moment we talk about turnovers obviously being huge in that Denver loss one of them coming from Alexander Madison who had fumbled in a one score loss in Philadelphia also and- got stopped on fourth down in Seattle in 2020 if we're trying to do the parallels for this that's Not true that, that matters to this but interesting nonetheless well that would that would be an example of a frustrating play and what's been um in this year a frustrating season for him um i do wonder if we're going to see much of a change here with ty chandler and madison when you talk to whether it's o'connell or west phillips uh, they both bring up that fumble when talking about madison and saying how important that was they've got a league high 14 lost fumbles they can't keep putting guys out there who do that and this isn't just two lost fumbles for Madison. He also got saved twice in that Chargers game. And I, I can't remember if he put the ball on the ground at all since then. It seems like he's been solid, but he's also had drops. Yeah, the drops he's, have been the other piece of it. And he's had other issues as well uh, with, with just lack of production. So I guess what are your guys' thoughts on where they go um, in the backfield? Well, I mean, didn't O'Connell say something earlier in the week that kind of made you think that Madison's still going to be – a piece of this. I mean, I, I tend to think that he's going to be simply because they don't have that much depth. I think I it's mean, a committee for sure. It's just who leads it. Yeah, yeah I it, I think, I mean, he they went back to him after the fumble on Sunday night. He still out-snapped Ty Chandler by quite a bit. I think pass protection is still an area where Madison is ahead of Chandler. Um, I mean, you could use C.J. Hamm in some of the third downs, and they have. You could see, I suppose... Miles Gaskin get involved there. They brought him back to the practice squad this week, but I still tend to think Madison ends up as the as the main guy. If the fumbles keep up, obviously you have to go away from that. But I think this group has, apart from that, believed in him and felt like there's still productivity to be had with him, and they've continued to give him chances. I, I think the fact that they put him back in there after the fumble makes you think he's still going to be – in the mix, I I guess I'd be surprised if it's otherwise. I think Chandler's the more talented, you know, kind of game-breaking runner. I think we've seen that already this year, but he has to be a good enough pass blocker. And he did some okay. Th- he like he picked up one blitz that they picked up or that they kind of noted on the he broadcast. A, he had a few. I mean, if you yeah. go back and watch it, it was he, really like we had one bad rep that was bad. That was really bad. That was it, the that led to the interception. The interception, but he he was better in a lot of those. But he he has to be good enough in pass protection, and they've talked about. That being a part of his game, he's got he's got to be good enough that it's not a tell when he's on the field, right? That it's not okay. We're running the ball because Ty Chandler's but, out and, here now, and they, and they are though now because when he goes on the field on third and twenty and he almost converts it, like he's on the field there to potentially pass block, he chips and then releases. Like they are using him now in more varied forms that would make me think they're trusting him to align in the right spots and do these things. But you're right, like Madison's got so much more time and so much more trust built up. Uh, with this staff it's just you lose it quickly when you lose games because of those woes and so I do wonder if we're going to see a committee that split more and frankly it just might 
one guy's opinion. I would like to see more of Chandler because he just makes plays. He makes guys miss. He has speed that Madison finally reached on that 15-yard run of the perimeter to start the game. Yeah. That was actually the Vikings' fastest play in that game. Uh, it wasn't Chandler. It was Madison. But you just don't see it often enough. You see him like stop his feet um, behind inconsistent blocking, and I think Chandler's got enough of that agility and hesitation to take advantage of bad blocking uh, in a way that maybe even Cam Akers was more fit to do than Madison. So I don't know what they do, though, because they couldn't run against Chicago last time. Madison couldn't run against Chicago. Chicago's ranked like second in the league against the run, too. Yeah, they give up some. I think uh, Flores was saying this. or no, The Lions ran on Hillis. them last week. Yeah, well, yeah, they run on a lot. Yeah, have to be a Bob um, Dobbs game. Bob, yeah, Bob. Um, you derailed me with Bob Dobbs. I'm sorry, time. I don't mean to. Every it's, time, no, but like it's, it's Ben's I fault. Can't, I can't. Ben's get, fault. I didn't even I know that until today. Track. I came up with this. Wes Phillips. Yes, this <laughs> Wes Phillips had mentioned earlier this week that the uh, the Bears are really good at defending the run, but they they do give up some big plays. Well, who's the big play running back? Well, of the two, probably Chandler. Chandler. Yeah, I did think Easily. Madison had a little more wiggle on Sunday night than we've seen. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of runs where I, I thought he made some nice cuts. Um, there was that like beast mode run he had where like yeah, he carried some hours. guys. Yeah, and, and some of that's confidence too, right? You get a few runs, then you go like, hey, we can actually run the ball today. On the pass protection thing with Chandler, I do wonder on that play if, because Dobbs said something afterwards about the some of the blitz looks that, they'd done to cross them up and he kind of put some of that on himself changing the protection because Chandler takes Jewel there I wonder if the way they would have wanted to do that is have Darasaw take the most direct guy and then say the running back takes the guy that's furthest away because Darasaw went outside and that they had a rusher coming off the edge and then Jewel comes up uh, the B gap between Darasaw and uh, Dalton Reisner where Chandler takes him I, I wonder if Dobbs, if he had that to do again, would switch it so that Darisaw takes the outside guy. Or sorry, Darisaw takes Jewel and Chandler takes the outside guy. I mean, he mentioned that Sunday night. Makes me wonder if they would have made that adjustment if they had it to do again. Yeah, and well, there's some blitzes where Josh just needed to get rid of the ball. Too. Yeah, there's some of that too. Where he, I, I think he, I mean, you were in the presser, but it seemed to me he was talking about like he wasn't reading it pre-snap and recognizing that it's coming. Like he, yeah, he just wasn't getting saying it he's going to be hot. I mean, yeah. I guess in there he wasn't hot because they had got to pick it up, but still, yeah. it's a running back on a blitzer. Um, yeah, we, I, I thought Chandler picked up some linebackers well. He threw a shoulder into a defensive lineman in pass pro that was really good. Um, he had moments that just, to me, seemed like, okay, this kid's starting to get it a little bit, but you just, we don't know how much he's not lining up in the right spot or doing these things behind the scenes, whether in practices or in games that lead to them being like, eh, you know, we just don't want to put him out there. And, and Wes Phillips said this week that he admitted, he's like, we can look back and say, why didn't this happen sooner with Ty? And, and you know, coaches have to build up trust with these guys. And as much as we talk about it on podcasts, it's true. Like these, the coaching staff just didn't have the trust with him. And I wonder if the tide is changing at all with that. And a fumble certainly can go a long way. Um, I found it interesting that Ty Chandler has had one fumble in his last, I think, three or four years of football. And it's like a span of 500 touches, uh, 400 of them in college, obviously. Yeah. But um, yeah, he, he at least doesn't fumble. So you've got that going for you, unless you get your quarterback killed because he's in pass pro. Oh, <laughs> how many, and how many of their fumbles this year were quarterback fumbles? Uh, right? There's been a lot of them. Yes. Like Dobbs has like at Dobbs, least two Cousins lost ones, right? A fair well, number of them, too. Ed Ingram's goes on to Cousins. He, yep. But, <laughs> for sure. A couple strip sacks, Ed, Ed, Ed Ingram strip sack. <laughs> yeah. A couple other strip um, sacks. 
Yeah, so a lot of them on the quarterback. Um, Hawkinson, yeah, Hawkinson, Madison. So um, that was, yeah, that was a that was that that's interesting how that counts as one when if it just slightly falls the other way it doesn't count but whatever um speaking of bad rules kareem jackson gets suspended and they don't flag it on the field i mean you're watching the game you're like he just leveled him and there was another hit on madison i feel like too i don't know who that was but like madison was talking to the ref afterwards like guy just hit me in the head like what's going on here yeah it was it was a weird one to not see that flagged i mean especially i mean that that led to a field goal and a game that was decided by a point. I mean, it's easy to go back and say that after the fact, but yeah, I mean, watching it in real time and it, it, it didn't cause the fumble. I mean, the ball was coming out when Kareem Jackson hits him. The issue is that the refs aren't throwing yeah. these flags yes. in games and they're just generally not. Um, they've stopped using, I think it was Seifer with ESPN put out there that they've stopped using the in hell or the, what was the phrasing they used to use Hel- using the helmet as like a weapon or like what? Yeah. I can't remember. They used to throw a flag for unnecessary roughness and say use of the helmet. It was basically a use of the helmet rule, and they've just stopped doing that. They just call them all now blanket unnecessary roughness, and then they've they even gone as far as to stop flagging a lot of targeting that they think they see because it's so hard, I guess, in real time to see the intention of it and all that. But guys like Josh Metellus, Harrison Smith, they're all getting fined for it after the fact. Kareem Jackson's getting suspended for it, ejected sometimes in games. It's almost every week you go into the – because the league makes the fines public now, which is the first year they've done that – Almost every week you go in there and see that either a Vikings player or somebody that was playing the Vikings got fined for a play that was not flagged on the field. I mean, Legereus Sneed, the one where he takes his helmet off, he gets fined for that after the fact. They didn't call that on the field. I mean, there there have been a number of those this season. I think Harrison Smith has had a couple where he didn't get flagged for it, and then they come back after the fact and, and hit him with a fine. So... The league is sort of doing that and making up for what's not getting called on the field, which makes you wonder, is this the old you know, part-time officials that aren't you know, full-time employees that are missing some things as a result of that? I, I generally don't know how much of a difference that makes, but I mean, it, it's something that comes up a lot. Maybe the training would be a little bit different. But it may also be that the league is saying, we don't want to have every single thing stopped or have the game stop for every single thing for disciplinary reasons. We can come back and do this after the fact in, in a way that we hope dissuades it from happening again that doesn't slow the game down. So you do wonder how much of that is in the discussions behind the scenes at 345 Park Avenue. We will talk to you guys next time for the Friday Mailbag and then Monday night as the Vikings host the Chicago Bears. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com.